Football Index podcast is supported by footballindextrader.co.uk, the best site for in-depth scouting and trading. Stretchy. Not many people have the time to analyse every game. That's why hundreds of veterans and new traders alike get FIT to do the heavy lifting for them, providing easy-to-read analysis of every match day from an FI perspective. If you want to see more, as an exclusive offer for Figcast listeners, you can give the site a try with a 25% discount on your first month with the code FIG. And it comes to about £3 a week, which is the price of a very cheap pint. So do go check it out over on footballindextrader.co.uk. Here's the legal stuff from Football Index. FI is a gambling product available to customers in certain territories aged 18 or over. The content of this podcast has not been approved by Football Index, but they do listen to the show to keep me on my toes. Please remember to only gamble what you can afford to lose. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops... Stop. Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 176. In the previous episode, I was joined by Ginger Pirlo. It was an absolutely fantastic episode. And if you're listening to this on Sunday, we have not heard from Mike yet. So please bear that in mind. This is before the Mike Q&A. And also, this is before I record the podcast with Panda, the Fitcast Extra. We don't know what time that's going to be at. So I can't even say if that's a good episode or not, or you should check it out. But I'm sure it'll be decent enough for you guys to listen to an hour of us speaking about whatever even if Mike's Q&A doesn't come today but we hope it does anyway today I'm joined by someone I've wanted to get on for a while who's been flirting didn't follow me for ages even though I've been stalking him for a while Pads Betts how are you doing mate I'm very good thank you I do apologize for not following you quickly it's one of my uh, my traits it's great, it's really my traits I'm honest with you mate it's one of my traits on Twitter I I, I, I follow only very particular accounts um, and then I put the rest in lists so uh, you're probably being followed, but you're not in the way that Twitter would want me to show you being followed. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. We've just both saying that we both feel a little bit run down today, so it might be a, a terrible episode, yeah, who knows. It's but been a long week. It's been a long week. Why don't you tell people a bit more about yourself and then also how you found Football Index and what that journey's been like as well? Sure, I, I think it's best to place myself in the context of gambling before Football Index because that's what a lot of my followers would have followed me from. Um, so probably about 10 years ago or so, I was playing, if I was invited to play a fantasy cycling game with a friend and I was particularly competitive about beating him. So I started really researching it and basically designing my own Twitter feeds to uh, get as much information as I could. And then I started tweeting who I thought was going to win the race and what my fantasy pick was. And I ended up picking like three or four stages in a row. And just, I think he'd won them. I did a tri-cast and told what order it was going to be on the podium. And I just thought I'd need to start betting on this. Or look, at least investigate it. And it was such an unbalanced market in terms of you've got one or two firms that put the book up and then all the rest of the bookies just copy the same odds. Um, and you get to the point where I was just like researching it so much and putting tweets out there. And we just keep hitting winners and if you hashtag to the, to the race and you quite quickly get quite a lot of people following those those tips. And then I ended up writing a blog along the same lines just because I wanted to, well, Twitter wasn't enough characters at the time. It was only the, uh, I can't remember how characters it is, 140 odd or whatever it used, was half of what it is now. Um, I just wanted to write a blog to crystallise my thoughts a bit better in a longer format. And that got quite popular. 
Um, and it definitely could end up moving the market quite in quite a considerable way just from me posting a blog. Um, I've mostly got remuneration from that by posting a, a little PayPal button on there for someone to post me an average price for UK pints. Um, I quite a lot of lot of pints bought through through that, and um, including including someone messaging one of my friends, or you could work out who one of my friends was in Twitter, asking for my address, and he just sent me uh, two crates of beer that landed on my front doorstep. So that was uh, excellent, really. Um, but uh, I don't. What happens with that is that you get there's a there's a limitation to what you can do with cycling betting due to the, the liquidity in the market. I mean, there's only a couple of the races which will have a proper liquid liquid market on Betfair. Um, on the exchange and the rest of it you're getting limited by by the traditional bookies um and i certainly felt that that took some of the fun away from it a little bit because you you're not getting the 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 first fresh uh odds when you're betting on it you see the odds come out and lots of people say oh i've got this great pick and i'm betting on this this y and z and by the time i've got access to it the odds are like half or a quarter um and it is uh it kind of takes some of the fun away from being doing all the research um and i certainly and one of the things that i think everyone needs to understand when you're gambling is that if you think you've lost your edge in something that you need to stop because uh, it's not going to end up well i mean i i felt my profits were dwindling um they didn't go into negative but they were dwindling in terms of my reward for what i was putting in time-wise so and i felt that was that was one of the reasons the other reason was that i didn't quite have as much time to monitor it in the same way that i used to um, and there's lots of reasons for that. It's just lifestyle change, really. As you get older, you get more, more, more different priorities, a busier job, a different job, you know, this sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I moved away from that, and then I was just sort of seeking. One of the things for me, I'm always seeking something to occupy my brain. I struggle a little bit with that sometimes. So, I mean, before I did cycling betting, I, I did a whole year entering competitions online just to prove a point that you couldn't make a living from it. Um, so I entered 20,000 in one year um, and you do win some prizes I won a weekend away in Berlin at the Ritz um, it was nice but um, you, don't, you can't make a living from it just to clear that up <laughs> and, um, so I thought I'd test that completely um, and I was just looking for something that was that was open to the way that I can monitor it so one of the people on cycling betting Twitter just had a brief tweet that said Splindex and uh, some, some sort of Italian team is talking about it. I was like, what is that? So had a little look and that was sort of mid-summer 2019. Um, had a little look, started slowly like everyone else, like you really should do. A few hundred pound in, just understand how it works and then just gradually ramp up through that. I mean, I would say I ramped up quite quickly um, to sort of a high four-figure amount and then Unfortunately, during the last year or so, I've actually, I seem to keep topping up with more deposits into the, um, as it keeps going down, but um, I think that'll turn around, so that's not a problem. Um, and yeah, just really into it from that point forward, really. Um, one of the things I try to do is, and you might notice this already, but use Twitter as a tool. Um, so I think that's one of the questions later, but I really think that the use of the hashtag is something which people need to uh, limit themselves from um, not because I mean in many terms of reading it it's if if you put that much sort of junk into your if I walk down the street I'm not going to take everyone's opinion as something that that matters to me 
So I want to, I create lists of people whose influence I think who are either tweeting stuff that I agree with or stuff that I don't agree with, but at least it's had, it's been thought through. So it's, uh, I have my own lists of people that I think are useful or provide good content or have coherent thoughts. And then I occasionally look at the Football Index feed just to, to see what the overall sentiment is like. I think that's worthwhile doing, but I don't think you should look at it in any great depth. I also have feeds for transfers and journalists, like literally got to a point where I've got people tweeting from like the Colombian local newspapers and stuff of like transfers between Colombian and Venezuelan teams. And I think it might've got a bit far, but, uh, but uh, at some point I'll, I will catch a transfer before anybody else does and I'm, and I'll be able to get on that. So uh, there was one that I, I got on earlier than anybody else, I think, but due to the way the market is that it's, the profits from it were limited. Um, that was a uh, Victor Kovalenko going from a, Shakhtar or Dynamo Kiev to Atalanta. So I'm pretty confident I knew about that before anybody else did, um, just from Twitter. So just so using, <laughs> harnessing other people's knowledge to make money for yourself. I mean, that seems pretty smart. Yeah. That's the same thing. So it's the same thing that I did with cycling. Um, to clarify, I don't ride a bike and I didn't watch a lot of it. I, I mean, I love watching it, but I don't have enough time to watch. Thing with cycling, if you want to watch a stage, you're going to sit, sit, down, sit down for six hours. Um, and watch it it's a long time to sit through um it's great i mean i love watching it but i don't have six hours to sit down on a sunday and watch it so again that was a i call it my velo feed and i had i know seven or eight hundred as a minute actually probably more than that maybe double about twitter accounts which fed into that that feed and it's just a constant cycle of information a lot of it is repeats no know, pun, same thing no pun intended right yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> no, it's, um, I think Twitter is an incredible tool for information. It's all about how you use it. And it's like anything else in your life. You, you need to really restrain that information that you're receiving into your life, especially in this last year or so of lockdown. Like there are certain newspaper websites that I wouldn't look at, not from a judgment of their journalism, but just because the amount of noise that was on there for your, when you're reading it, I mean, you, I think you need to really pare down what information you're getting to be a, a very concise way. Um, the way I use Twitter is I have TweetDeck and I have about five different lists and they're all cycling through. So that information is just a, a constant feed which cycles over. And the reason I don't follow anybody is because I don't want that repeated in my actual main feed. <laughs> um, because my main feed is just for like a, you know, a general interest science articles or you know very sort of non non-focused material um that's how i'm using twitter anyway but yeah it's been a an interesting journey in football index it's definitely very engaging and i i, I do have a very quite a positive outlet for it so it's um it's been a good journey for the first sort of year and a half even despite how the market has been <laughs> and you know successful on the cycling front uh, how would you describe your success on FI so far? Has it been not as successful considering the, the downturn we've seen since oh, last yeah, September? Totally. I mean, I, I kind of see this as a accumulation phase. I mean, it depends what benchmark I use, basically. <laughs> um, but I would say due to the timings of when I've been depositing, I'm probably slightly up, not a lot up. Um, but I think that's still a success. 
and it's it. I think it's all about thinking about your timelines. So I, I see this as, as something that I'm going to use over the next 10, 15 years as an income generator. I want to create this as a secondary income source. This is the long-term goal for this is, is for me to be doing something that I love doing quite passively, following football and having an income from it that way I don't have to do very much for it. And I think if you're thinking of over that time scales, short-term dip over a year, if you have still have overall confidence in the company going forwards, which I think is quite hard not to have if you really think about it because of the format, how engaging it is. Literally, if if, if, they, if they had a lot of problems, literally another company is just going to buy them and do it better. It's, it's, you're not just going to ditch that whole, that whole user base and redo it in some other format. It's, it, it's so engaging. It's so such a genius idea that I don't have a lot of problem with a short-term issue where they just screwed up a little bit with bringing in an order book. It's not too much of a problem for me. Um, and if you're thinking over those timescales, then I don't see why it should affect the way you think about it too much. Um, the problem is the way that they just, those emails that used to get sent out saying, you know, your value's gone like this, this is your PL. now. It just, it just really put people's hearts set on that number. And it's the attachment, it's a number the emotional attachment. Yeah, I know. It's just the, the sort of, clutching at that number i still think people clutch on it now it's like you must understand that it that isn't something that is a realistic generation it's never going to be in a the way that a market like this functions it's not going to work that way i mean you that is not a number that you can you, i mean obviously it's a useful benchmark as they updated the terminology to say but um you know you, it's only real money once you realize it so it's, <laughs> I, 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 I'm taking this in the accumulation phase and building as, I, I personally, I think it's amazing, really. I'm reinvesting dividends on players that I thought I'd missed the boat on. So, so I mean, like Haaland and all these elite youth players that originally, when I first started, I was, I shied away from because I thought they were too expensive, um, which might've been true in hindsight. But I certainly thought, didn't think I'd have the chance to build up a holding in them like I can do now. So, um, mm. in terms of this being an accumulation phase, though, pads, and this is me playing devil's advocate, right? When people usually talk about an accumulation phase, it is something that isn't that hasn't got a centralized point of failure, like a company, right? So, if you're accumulating stocks in the stock market, you're buying a uh, a whole lot of stocks maybe some etfs etc at the bottom of a whole uh, more general wide market dip if you're accumulating crypto those are those uh, currencies are or assets are decentralized so they don't have a, a centralized point that is causing uh, the downturn a lot of traders would agree that the downturn that we've seen on Football Index has been caused by a centralized party being Football Index company themselves so why Why is your logic still in that way? Why do you think this is still an accumulation phase for you? Because I can reinvest dividends and build up these holdings for a future point that I think is going to be likely to happen. I mean, I, I understand all the, the the single point of failure aspect, but I don't think it's quite as extreme as people make it out to be. I mean, I uh, what I see with FIs, I see they've got a, a flawed metric 
<coughs> which they're working to fix. Sorry, they're working to fix. I see them still hiring people. I still on, on these lists. You know that I can't what the list was called. Where like a, the most profitable young tech companies or last last year, whatever it was, or like the best. They were second on the list. I can't remember what the list was. Um, and when I hear them talking about what like that tech video the other day, they're using like the sort of tech that you see in the industry I work in. And I think that is a good sign because I know how much money gets spent on it in this industry. So I think they're using the right sort of tech. And I, th- I feel like they're just, they're moving in the right direction. Certainly since Mike's taken over, it feels a lot more, um, a lot more determined than just sort of like, it feels like they're forced, you know, you have this chicken and egg scenario of market makers and the whole liquidity thing. It feels like they're sort of forcing one of them into the, into existence. I'm not quite sure which one it is, but it feels like they're going to do everything they can as quickly as they can. Before the Euros, I feel like they're aiming for to put it everything, all the pieces of the jigsaw together. And I know it's painful with like IPDs and it could mean communicated better definitely but it feels like they are are pushing at a much greater pace and not worrying about upsetting people as much um which you know is going to upset people but um i uh, <laughs> I, I i i see it as a positive thing that they're being much more um proactive rather than, Forceful. yeah yeah it, really feel, it feels like you're just issue, doing it which is what they should be doing <laughs> to be honest with you i mean so, so for you, this is the accumulation phase. You're trying to buy as many players as possible during this kind of very bearish cycle that is, again, I think we've agreed, uh, caused by Football Index. So naturally, we'd, we'd assume that a, a another bullish run or where we see rockets comes from a situation where there is much more confidence in the company and Football Index yeah, have got a lot more to. ducks in a row. What, what do you want to see, uh, Pads? I want, I, well, I'd like them to commit to the matrix. Um, I think it should be on three-year cycles, the same, same the same cycle as the bet. I mean, this is one of the things I want to talk about with in terms of the issuance curve. Would you want them to, <coughs> to commit in terms of change it no. and then commit um, or just commit, commit or either way? I don't way. think it's time to change it. There's too many other things going on. Going on. Just commit to it in mm. three years. We'll talk about it in three years' time. Um, Unless, I mean, they've got to leave themselves some sort of wriggle room there, but unless there's some sort of major thing going on, like some sort of rule change in football, I don't know, like uh, they, they change the... Change. Offsides and... Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like <laughs> something which just suddenly causes there to be eight goals in every game or something. There's something really quite quite severe. Um, I think they need to, to lock down as many things as they can and fix all the things that they're working on. Um, and that stability, I think, could really help. So... They should have a like this Q and A thing. This is a prime example. It's a good thing to be doing a Q and A. It's not a good thing to tell people that it's next week sometime. Put it in the calendar. It's it should be calendarized. It should be it's coming out on this date at this time, and everyone knows when that is. Cause it's a market changing thing. So it's, it's going to be at some. It's going to be released at some point during the market open hours. So it should everyone should know when that's going to happen. Because there'll be something that he says that is going to have some sort of influence on the market, and. These are all things that provide stability. If people know when things are going to happen, they know what timelines things are over, then it provides stability in the market. Um, one of the things with the matrix as well, I think if you have issuance below all-time highs I and they've got 
a good transparency on how many shares are in the market, I think that's a great step because people can monitor how much they're issuing. I don't see how you can make major matrix changes because if I'm, say, to pick an example from the last couple of days, um, Tony Cruz. But, but med- media is going to change, so me- right? Media's, I'm not talking about media. I'm talking about um, the PV matrix. Sorry. Um, okay. People have been talking about... I, I just... I d- Go on. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think... Maybe we can we can delve into that a bit deeper as well because for me a lot of these players if we look at the top ten a lot of their value is underpinned by media right if we look at yeah. Bruno Fernandes being yeah, top totally. uh, Sancho Haaland Bappe I mean not maybe immediate in terms of Bappe and Haaland we've got Messi up there etc yeah, for this, obvious reasons like sh- surely a change in the media, the media matrix like sorry I was talking that, about the PB matrix locking that down the media media yeah. monitor thing needs to get sure. resolved as well I mean you, you, they sure. they fix that then they say this isn't changing. That, okay. that's, that's what you should do with that. The PB matrix, a lot of people I see on Twitter talking about volume and how that needs to change. I don't see how you can change that. Say if, if I say I hold Tony Cruz and I like the fact that he passes a lot during the game, fine, he's involved in the game a lot. He's the key person, key player at Real Madrid. I get why he wins dividends, it's fine. Um, if they change the matrix to somehow detriment that volume effect, and I hold him, and I can see that they've issued, I don't know, 60,000 shares in the last two months before changing the matrix to put him at detriment. How do you, I don't ha- understand how they can justify that. Um, it's the same yeah, way that, the other that way around. Wouldn't be good, they, would it? The optics around that would no, be horrible. No, they'd be awful. So if, and if they, I don't know, increased uh, the value of some other metric, knowing that that's going to bring up prices on that type of player, and they don't issue any shares in that because they're waiting for the prices to, rock, to go up. Because they'll know, they'll have at least some leeway. You'd, you'd imagine where they know what's they're going to change in advance um, and do some testing. That's a really good point, isn't it? Like, how can uh, I don't see how should you should it be? Should it should it be that if rules are changed to such an extent that FI can't issue yeah. for a certain They've amount got to of time? Pause it do you know what like I mean? Three like months if, in advance. If like there is, you can't you can't be yeah you can't be working what the changes and then issuing bets, knowing having a good idea what you're going to change because you are. It's almost like insider trading. It's like you are, you are, you are, you know what's going to come, and you're trying to you advance. You're taking advantage of the customer beforehand. The PB matrix is an interesting one for me because I the volume versus uh, quality type thing. I totally understand. I think it's too volume weighted, in my opinion. In the case of someone like Tony Cruz, I think Tony Cruz is going to be excellent under any matrix, and I'll explain why. Um, corners are reduced or unsuccessful crosses are reduced but let's say passes in the final third are increased you know tony cruz hits a lot of those things passes into the box are added or whatever etc like he's going to do well on whichever matrix that is created yeah, unless absolutely. it's purposely absolutely. tailored to not suit him if that makes sense i think a lot of people do get concerned about certain players that would not be good under the matrix when in reality if they are good in real life um i think the likes of tony cruz don't really fall into that category uh, so they do fall into that category of, sorry um, go on go i've on. got a good example of a matrix change which i'd actually like to see um <clears throat> with the introduction of var you get more penalties and i don't think penalties should count as much as a as a as a non as a dip, open play goal or a free kick goal so I don't think a goal should be a penalty goal should be forty five points. So I'd say maybe thirty points, and I'd bring in, I'd take that fifteen points and put it on to whoever won the penalty, because I don't think you get anything from winning a penalty, do you? 
you're the player that no, you don't. The you that don't. Found. So that's, that's for me, that's an assist. That's closer to an assist than that's almost more valuable than the person taking a kick. Because so that's a change I'd, I'd quite like to see. But if you hold someone, say Lewandowski, who scores a lot of penalties, or I don't know, good, another good example, anyone that takes a lot of penalties, Harry Kane, and you see the mystery before they before they don't that change. Then, I, yeah, the optics are awful. Yeah, There's- but let's let's put the uh, optics of that to one side for a second because I think we both agree that that is, and I think that would be a terrible thing to do. Um, you've just told me that there is an improvement to the matrix to be made. I think, for example, that we uh, we should, you know, the whole clean sheet for ninety minutes thing. I think is stupid. I think you know there should be something more akin to FPL there. Yeah, um, seventy nine minutes or something, isn't it? And- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, 60 minutes 60, rather, I think. Yeah. It's been a while um, since I played that game. <laughs> <laughs> but for example, with big chance missed or big chance created being such a subjective thing from Opta, I think that's crazy because, I mean, that metric, for example, if you have a header from 12 yards and an analyst sits there and says, oh, that's a big chance, even though the XG of that is like 0.15 uh, and your striker misses it, that's uh, a big, big loss in points. It's minus 10, right? So I think there's a few quirks that just feel too too weird and too far away from real life, whole, if that makes sense. The whole sense. reliance um, is a little bit... Um, makes me a touch squeezy sometimes just because I don't know what controls they have in there. You know, how many analysts do they have on each Opta game? I don't, don't know. I have no idea. So if, if, I, if I got a job at Opta and I had 10,000 shares in, I don't know, Sancho, and I see he's one point behind Cruz. Do I do I put a bit more effort in reviewing my uh, reviewing my, my match I just done to try and find <laughs> an extra two points? I probably, I mean, I yeah, know. I mean, uh, I don't know. I think the whole uh, Opta, like, I think basically using Opta is great, but it's not. It's not exactly suited for. FI is it yeah. so we get ourselves in this situation where we, we have conversations like that where it's like oh well suddenly that's actually a key pass is it well okay now Messi wins or Neymar wins do you know yeah. what I mean it's it's all a bit like it's always going to be a conspiracy uh, theory think, there isn't there yeah yeah of course the same way that you'd be like oh well you know uh, there's the whole uh, oh what if someone at the sun starts writing about Sancho again and all that but but yeah like so so Look, I think we've 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 kind of gone on a massive tangent to the original question that I asked. So we've got locking things in. So fix media, yeah. lock PB matrix. Yeah. Then we've got uh, what else? What else does Padsbet want to see? I would like to see confidence. So it's it's all about providing confidence for the users, and I think that'll almost fix every problem, aside from the sort of buy side ordering. So I don't know if the buy now rebate is doing any good at all and it's that's i mean that's not the way that a rebate works on an exchange so an exchange rebate you get a rebate for passive flow i mean there's there's lots of different rebates but you get a rebate for passive flow which is making which is price making rather than price taking so if you if you're using the buy now button you're price taking not price making but i'd like to see a rebate for matched offers uh, so matched buy orders, if it makes sense. Because I think that was that would in- incentivize people to make sensible offers which are likely to get matched. And I'm talking about quite a punchy rebate. I don't 
don't know what the maths behind it would be for FI's point of view, but maybe more than 2%, 3%, or depending on how much volume. So I personally, I'd like, I mean, I'm not one of them, but I'd like to see the bigger users be incentivized to use their money more. I mean, there's a lot of talk about using um, multiple bids, which sounds great. I mean, I'd be all up for that if, if, if that's possible. Tech-wise, it sounds tricky just for a ballpark. I mean, I don't really work in tech, but I work for a tech firm. And it sounds, it sounds difficult if they don't already have some sort of way of doing that. And if they're working on this, from that tech chat they had the other day where they're having, they're on this, this old platform. That feels like quite a big change to make to an old platform to suddenly have. It doesn't sound like something that you'd be able to do or you'd even want to do um, in terms of the, the amount of time that it would take to build and test. I also wonder if it would be slightly fragile as well if you have everybody using the same, everybody placing them, like five bids across the top players and then one of them gets injured, all those bids get taken and then all, the, all of a sudden offers drop across the board. You know, it's like... Um, it felt like on big events you'd have um, that buy side dropping quite quickly on on lots of players from one person from one player doing something, um, but I, yeah, that might not be true. But I'd like to see, yeah, I'd like to see a bit more up, upward pressure. It's just a confidence that it's going in the right direction. And I think from stabilising everything and then fixing the things which we know that they've got on the slate that's just have never been fixed. I mean, media monitor has gone on for just an incredible amount of time. I remember buying buying Victor Asimian last, well, way before he got transferred. One of the reasons I bought that is because I thought if he might go to a, to a UK club, he's called Victor. So every time he gets mentioned in the media, he gets 80 points. So, or he gets a higher weighting anyway, because he's, because he's literally his name is Victor, which is one of the words in the, in the, um, I can't what they call it, in the list of words, which, which, Great point. The sentiment, sentiment scoring. Sentiment. That's the one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's still in place now. Every time he gets mentioned, or any place in Napoli's yeah concussion the other day, eighty points for one media article. It's a shame he didn't get transferred to Liverpool, but because um, he would have done very well on the media. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if that was ever true. I don't know. You, but, you probably uh, weren't on the platform, but when Victor Lindelof came along, that oh, was yes, quite something. Imagine, yes. <laughs> and Victor Moses. Even better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been up there a few times as well, yeah. uh, annoyingly. Um, I want to ask you, right, like, so you've just talked about the bid side of the book um, and you've mentioned uh, bidding with multiple, uh, or, you know, multiples of your cash balance, um, incentivizing traders with some sort of uh, rebate type of thing, which is a bit more aggressive. Did you listen to the podcast with Ginger Pirlo last week? I did, but whilst I was working, so that I sometimes... Miss bits. <laughs> but like, do you think that is the crux, as he described it, the bid side of the book? Yeah, I think people need confidence that they can get out at a spread of some description. People like taking punts. So it's not just, I don't think a lot of people will be on the platform and just hold the premiums that always have a, well, I'd say always, most of the time have a, have a sell price on them. It's all these players that don't have sell prices, which... You know, I have quite a lot of them, to be honest. I like, I like, I have a mixed portfolio. I have quite a lot of premiums. I have quite a lot of 
maybe sort of more punty players, but I mean, I see them as a long-term hold, so I don't really mind that there's no sell price at the moment, and I think they'll make their money in the dividends anyway. But um, I think that really spooks people if they see there's no exit, if they need to get the money out for whatever reason. I mean, they shouldn't be, you shouldn't be gambling with more money than you can afford to lose anyway, but I'm certain people do. And if you certainly suddenly see that there's no, no sell price, there's no way out if you need it, I think it just spooks people. So if they can leverage orders like that, then then they should, because it will put a lot more money in the market. Well, not money, but, you know, orders. Yeah, I think that they should look at doing something like that. Um, I'm... I think we need to give a reason why they can't. Yeah, I mean, like, I just, I still don't, uh, I think that, them being a much more like i thought that one of the reasons that they would start um issuing under all-time high was to become a market maker again to some extent in the long term right like you could make a killing if you're fi offering instant sell to some extent um i mean, I, I get the issuing under all-time high i mean it, it makes sense if you if you don't think someone's worth the price they are you should be able to issue a bet it's especially limited anyway it's up to a certain volume it makes sense to me if they're you know they are really a bookmaker to a degree they're issuing bets on on dividend return so <clears throat> if, if it, it's like if you don't if you aren't issuing under all time high you, you're limiting yourself to the first sort of six years of a player's career aren't you because yeah. um, because once let's say peak at 24 and the price is going down because people don't like holding a 27 year old then um, you're not going to be able to issue any are you yeah, so I mean, the the whole issuing at all-time high, having the issuance model determined primarily by price and having it constrained by price and pr- only price would seem pretty strange from an outsider's perspective, wouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It like, really... if you were explaining t- t- this to someone at your firm and you were like, oh, yeah. they only sell them when they get to the all-time high price, that would make pretty little sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd be like, okay, so they're never going to issue any more Turkey shares again. Yeah. <laughs> Controversial opinion. He's a great player, but um, he did peak quite high. So they, would be, um, they wouldn't be issuing any more of him for all time. But um, I did actually have one more thing that I'd like to see, actually, from a stability point oh, of view. Oh, go on. I, I'd like them to toggle, add a toggle where I can refresh my shares for reduced cons. So I want to be able to reissue my bet for... Once my shares, I want to be told about it. I want to reissue my bet for a reduced com rate. I don't see why it needs to be 2% um, because there's not much happening there. They're just going to be closing one off and reissuing another one. And I think they're giving themselves a, w- a window to process that as well. The session stuff, there's a lot of upside from operationally them having a you know, blackout period of, I think it's seven hours now, isn't it? Midnight till 7 a.m., is it? Um, that gives them the window to do all sorts of stuff. So... If I could be alerted to my shares, I make a physical decision, I push a little button saying, yes, I want to refresh when it reaches its three-year expiry. I want to do it at whatever price it's currently at. That makes sense to me as something that should be easy to do. Like, I mean, they know when they're expiring. That's just, that's like a corporate action with a share. You just roll, or you, that's like refresh. It's like rolling a futures contract, which is what yeah. they at some points have said these are so yeah i mean that that's kind of the closest thing that you can i want to roll my contracts right? 
and have it and not have to worry about it. I want to toggle it on my portfolio settings saying everything gets rolled. And then I think you'd have it's a lot more easier to explain to people. Like this whole the whole expiry thing I think spooks spooks people. Mm. Yeah, I think that's even if even if realistically they're never gonna get there. Most people trade in and out of their contracts yeah. way in advance of that. But um Yeah. I think that would be a really useful feature for them to have. Hmm. Um yeah, let's uh let's see. Let's see about that. Um right, I think we should get into questions because <laughs> <laughs> haven't even got to the miscellaneous ones. I didn't really think the uh, intro would get 35 minutes. Um, Sigmund Freund, uh, I mean, do we even ask some of these cycling-related questions? We might as well. Oh, um, we definitely do. We it, definitely it's do. the summer of 2010. You can only buy one cyclist on Cycling Index. Would you have bought Chris Froome when the IPOs, MB favourite Bradley Wiggins or PB magnate Mark Cavendish? Oh, it's got to be Cav. I mean, Cav is, isn't just a PB magnate. He's a media magnate. He's a... It's got to be Cav, yeah. I mean, he 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 launched his own clothing brand with no vowels in it, just Cav Cavendish. So it's a, <laughs> it's a, that that alone is worth it. Um, yeah, Froome, I've been a huge fan of Froome, but um, Wiggins, no, no, it's got to be it's got to be Cavendish. He was at his peak then as well. <laughs> Um, Chris Barker, cycling one. What percentage of the Tour de France riders do you believe are genuinely clean? Mm, I like these questions because. Cycling isn't a rich sport. So sometimes uh, people ask this and I'll turn it around and what percentage of footballers do you think are clean? Because there's not a lot of testing done in football compared to cycling on a pro rata basis. And it strikes me as particularly unlikely, and this is across all sport, particularly unlikely that you have cycling as an outlier. I mean, there's less in it for them. There's less there's less gain there. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, it strikes me as unlikely that it's isolated. And in terms of cycling, I don't think it's as blatant as it used to be. But I, I think you'd have to be particularly naive to think that it's completely clean. Um, and it's it's always like, what shade of grey are, are you looking at? I mean, these new spikes you get in athletics, is that doping? I mean, it's, it's like technological doping. Um, there's there's lots of different things, micro-doping, there's major doping. I mean, the stuff that used to happen of like needles going to arms and blood transfusions and stuff, I don't think that happens. They have these uh, biological passports, which they have to maintain their values on. Um, I think there's quite a lot of leading leading uh, detection in cycling that there isn't in other sports, to be honest. I think they're probably towards the clean end of uh, sport, but I don't think any sport would be clean whatsoever. Um, I think that's, yeah, you, you should not assume any sport's clean. Definitely not. Um just because why would it be? I mean, I don't see if you're a doctor, you know, there's, there's a few doctors with very, very well-known names in the cycling world, which I won't use on here, but um, they get paid a lot of money from their clients in the back of the day. And it strikes me as particularly unlikely that they wouldn't have branched out to other sports where they could offer a similar performance benefit and similar cash numeration. So, um, yeah, I, I, as to answer the question, I, I think I think it would actually be quite low. Tour de France is, is would be the the worst race race to be doing it on as well because you're much more likely to get caught. I'd I'd guess because there's a lot more a lot more testing around that race. Mm. A lot more focus. Got a question here from Fi Japanese Messi. Haha, <laughs> mad. I didn't know pads bets 
dabbled in football index actually follow him on my other non-football index account going to be a cycling question then who would be the king of cycling index obviously non-cycling fans won't appreciate the question fuck him <laughs> i'll try i'll try and keep it quite brief um it would be alaphilippe at the moment he is french he seems to always manage to get a good french win in the tour de france every year um and he's yeah, he's a star, really. He can win almost any scenario. There's two new, uh, not say new, two fairly two recent converts to road cycling, Van der Poel and uh, Wout van Aert, um, who come from the cyclocross world. Um, they're incredible. Um, but they're, they're quite relatively new, so they need a bit more, a few more years to uh, fully cement themselves as stars, but they are like nothing you've ever seen before. They're incredible. There'll be, there'll be a film written about those two guys at some point they don't like each other about the same age they're in the same sport racing around muddy fields in belgium for years and years and then they both convert to road cycling at the same time and just take it by absolute storm it's incredible but uh yeah we'll answer that Balafleet. got a question here from a bobby axelrod footballers who'd be the best cyclists a five-a-side team and you can't pick a dharma Traore. go <laughs> right i prepped this one because uh, i saw this one come in and uh, i'll I'm a Leeds fan, so there's going to be a little bit of bias here. So you need a road captain, and that's James Milner. He's an absolute legend. Even though he didn't play for Leeds very long, he's from the same uh, the same village that my dad's from, just outside Leeds. Um, I'd have Haaland as a sprinter. He's got the right physique. He's born in Leeds. And he, uh, he didn't offer as much money as, as Leipzig, apparently, to, to sign him from um, Mulder. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's unfortunate. I'd have Jackie Harrison. Um the sort of uh, English Maradona, uh, mate. I love Jack Harrison. He's a great player. Um, he's, I don't think he's too bad from an FI point of view as well. It's just uh, he just doesn't have any set piece, set piece uh, angle really. It's not. It's quite hard for him to win. Um, Pablo Hernandez as a climber, and uh, I'd have Alioski as well. He's uh, okay. I see him pummeling up and down the fullbacks at Leeds. He's such a character. But he just has that sort of just essence about him. I'd have him in my team. He's a he's a right wind up merchant as well. Yeah, gets a few players booked and sent off every year. So he's <laughs> he's doing my book for that one as well. I like that. Fair. That'd be um, a good team. That'd be a good team. Yeah, sounds it. I mean, look, I don't know anything about <laughs> cycling, so I'm pretending to know. Right. Uh, another question here from Fi Kutupov. Uh, how long will Ilya? <laughs> Kutupov remains in the top four and is he a dark horse for Euro 21? Like, I mean, look, I love game, this. game I mean, stop this on it. FI. What did you think? Yeah. I, fe- I feel like they haven't tested, they haven't thought that one through as in someone might do that. And if it's not in the game, I think they suspended the account, did they? I think I'm sure I saw that come through on Twitter somewhere, but um, it felt like they hadn't thought that one through. And they, I'm surprised, I think he's still there, isn't he? I haven't actually checked, but he's still quite highly priced last time I looked and saw him there uh, that if they they need a, a way of preventing that really uh, but what, what, what yeah they? I mean they don't, they don't. do you were you surprised that they didn't start issuing <laughs> lower to, to reduce that oh uh, yeah yeah I was surprised yeah I don't surprise why wouldn't they do that um, yeah you'd think that they would uh, they would do that fairly uh, fairly quickly but Maybe they're leaving it there for some other unknown reason. Hmm. You, and a you question: fix that straight away, right? Yeah, you'd think so anyway. 
Um, a, a question here from Matt Burrows from the Fig Discord. Who are your Euros and Champions League winners? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, okay, so Euros. I quite like Spain. Um, I know probably not a lot of people pick Spain. I think they've got quite a lot, a nice blend of players who have something to prove or that are not the complete. They've got a mixture of like complete known performers. Then they've also got like, I don't know, Jose Gaia, a left back from Valencia. Someone that is really, really good. Like I think he's an excellent player that plays for a pretty crap team. And I think they've all got something to get out of it. It's a very motivated squad. And I think they're playing some decent football. I think they'll have a good shout. Um, what's the other Champions League? Um, Champions League, it's Man City. Isn't it? I, I don't, I don't, if they can continue playing as they are, then it has to be Man City. I don't see anybody else. I mean, Bayern Munich seem to have forgotten how to defend. So, Certainly domestically, anyway. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I got to be Man City for me for Champions League. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's those two. Um, before we move on, I'm going to plug the Patreon. If you guys don't know what it is, it's where content creators create premium behind the scenes and bonus content for their audience. So in my case, I'll be helping traders profit more on their football index journeys by adding as much insight as i can there's three pound five pound eight pound and twelve pound tiers all with different great perks for example getting early access to the podcast for example this one with pads uh getting access to my new podcast the mondays with fig that goes out shock every monday which is about a 20 minute segment just a brain dump of my football index thoughts eight pounds gets you access to the fig discord and 12 pounds gets you access to everything below but also fig webinars every month as well so do go check it out for the best football index content round over at patreon.com slash fi guide that's p-a-t-i-e-o-n.com forward slash fi guide i mean I, I don't think after not following me i'm going to be able to convince you to join our ipads so um we'll do, move you might be able to i do have discord so oh, it's already on my right. phone wow so, it's on the cards yeah it could happen. It could you're, happen. You're, you're hearing live sales as we as we hear it. You're <laughs> <laughs> um, hearing ka-chings in the background. <laughs> FI strategist from the Fig Discord. So this is uh, about your kind of day job. What is the day-to-day life of a contrader like and what is your specific role? And then I've got a couple of follow-ups as well. So uh, I think you Quint. mentioned earlier you're in the logistics side of things. Yeah, I mean, a, a quant trading firm that you don't really get quant trader that's that's the algorithm that does the trading and there's a there's a huge swathe of people that do all sorts of different roles behind that i mean i I work in operations and i i do a lot of the logistics around different markets and how they book trades into those markets and dealing with the the real life banks themselves and then also moving money around and it's 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 an operation role that I do, but in, in that environment, I think you get a lot of exposure to sort of quite high end. So I have quite a lot of reliance on developers um, for any sort of improvement I want to make to the, the way that our system works. So you have a lot of exposure to developers and just very smart people all around. Um, in terms of applying that, in terms of, what's the, the second part of the question, applying that in terms of football index or what was the, the second part of that question, sorry? Uh, the second part of it was, what was your specific role? <laughs> oh, right. Well, that's about working operations. Um, but it, it's, uh, yeah, the logistics of how stuff flows through the systems, basically, if you're in a high-volume environment, it needs to be um, 
automated to an inch of its life. So uh, you have to get a lot of uh, a lot of uh, different resiliences in place for that. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a good place, a good time, environment to work. But you don't get quant traders. It's uh, that's the end point that an algorithm is trading. Mm. Well, like, has that environment actually helped you at all with either your betting or your or your football index trading? Um, I, I'm not sure it has. To be honest with you, I think they're quite separate things. So, whilst it's the resources that I get put into it, I don't, I don't, I don't see how that's replicated in terms of um, my trading. I. I, I no, the short answer is no. <laughs> um, I can't think of a really way that that would that would replicate through into the trading that I do. Um, and it's a very different time scale, and I'm I'm quite passive, so I don't I trade quite infrequently. Um, I'm just sort of re- basically reinvesting dividends into more players. Um, whereas an algorithm, you can get quite long long range ones and short range ones. Um, it's actually quite a, a good. It leads into one of the questions that I think is coming up next. Um, around I think almost every way of trading on FI should be encouraged I don't see any downside into putting like deadlines backwards or putting them forwards um, opening up to as much different strategies that people want to follow as possible that makes complete sense to me there should be people that this is a phrase called like a microscope to a telescope and you want to be have your market available to Everyone wants to trade at any end of that spectrum. I'm probably more towards the telescope end. I would like to be more at the microscope end as well. You can probably do both at the same time, but I don't have the time or the uh, yeah, I don't have the time to sit and watch a game and see when someone scores. Like it was really interesting listening to uh, Ginger Pello last week, and I was just thinking, yeah, I just can't do that. <laughs> it's just like I I don't have the time to uh, to um, to engage in that. But I think everyone should have the opportunity if you want to buy. If you want to try and take a punt on, on someone who's just scored a goal at eight o'clock winning the gold they did, then go for it. I mean, or someone that's that that price journey is gonna follow the you know the likelihood of that div coming in. I mean it's it all all else being equal, the rise should be equate to the div. It's just like trading something when it between it's between a div being announced and it div going X. So as soon as it goes X, you're no longer going to receive the div when you when you buy the share and it's the same with football index that's why the price should go down a small amount next day but at the same time you've got the the discovery that the player or the, the confirmation that the player is better at pb or or a, a portion of the market suddenly realizing that the player is better for pb therefore the price is going to go up from that as well so i don't i don't see any issue with with the the, the market deadlines being pushed back so i've gone off on a bit of a tangent there um, no no it's completely fine I, I think there should be, for it to be a properly functioning market, there should be a, a, there should be so many ways for people to make money and then it makes it more attractive to more people. And when we spoke on Twitter, you, you talked about kind of leveraging social media and you talked a lot about that in the intro. Um, from a football index standpoint specifically, how have you used that? Are you simply curating lists of people that are talking about FI and then making your decisions based on their footballing opinions and FI footballer specific? Or like, are you seeing something like, oh, I'm really bullish about FI right now? And then you're like, okay, maybe I should buy some players in case this guy's right. 
so more the former than the latter. So to start with, yeah. one I of the things that I found really <laughs> useful, really, yeah, yeah, but one of the things I really found very useful to start with was, was the people that, uh, I can't remember most of the handles, but the people that put up sort of little snippets into stats that are good for the index. I mean, certainly when I was starting out, I think those are so valuable accounts. I mean, you can sign up to index gain and all these other um, various different types of add-ons to football index. But um, ultimately, you just kind of need to know who's a good footballer and who's quite good at, at the matrix. So I follow lots of accounts that I think have got considered opinion and they, they are segregated into a specific list that I think, I don't always agree with everything they put in there, but at least I, I'm pretty confident that they half know what they're talking about. And to be in that list, it takes... I would have to see something in the main, you know, on the main hashtag at Lindex, hashtag at Lindex, that it reads as though they might know what they're talking about. Then I'll see a few more, other, I'll click on them, see what other tweets they're doing. And if they sound like they're fairly well, uh, well switched on, then they'll get made onto the, the, my, my main list. But you can also get demoted as well. So you can be taken, that's not a, that's not a, it's not a fixed opinion. You can get demoted. You can get muted. It depends what you start tweeting about. But um, that is one. In terms of FI, that's the main thing. In terms of football generally, there's a lot of leagues out there and a lot of football. And I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to even watch, you know, one percent of it. And there's going to be players out there that I don't don't know about or not going to never going to see play. I mean, I I will do an eye test on anybody I consider buying. I just try to Google them and read about them a bit. Um, there's always someone that's written a scouting report of almost everybody. Um, and there's usually a YouTube compilation of some degree, but I don't put much hold in that. It's just a, a good example of someone that hasn't really peaked on football index yet. I mean, Barella at Inter, he's um, he's had like a complete breakout year, but he hasn't in terms of football index because he's never really put a, put a score together. But he has all the ingredients to do so. And he's, he seems... But I haven't watched, I don't think I've watched a single Inter game this year. Um, I don't think so. can't remember one anyway. Um, but he had quite a lot, and he still does, like a lot of well-attuned well, uh, Twitter accounts in Italy saying Barella is the standout midfielder this year. And then you start to look... Yeah, exactly. But the only reason I know that is because it isn't because he's done peak scores in FI, and it's not because of his goal and assist output, really. He's... he's had quite a, you know, a good year, but he's not had as like if you if you're just looking at goals and assists, I don't think he's like. It'd be, I mean, I imagine he's fairly high, but I don't think he's like towards the top end of Serie. A. But he's had a standout year in terms of his ability shining through, and so I think that's something that will come to the fore in the next few years. So he's definitely someone that's on my watch list to to think about. Um, another one of those would have been um, Rafinha. So I bought him ages ago, first time round. I mean, I bought him and sold him and then bought him again. But I bought him when he played for Wren. I think it was Wren before he played for Leeds. I actually sold him this week because I, I had to bank some profit on him, taking some divs. But um, his player, again, hadn't watched Wren play, but he was just quite prominent in French football accounts and ones that, he, that I trust to be. French football accounts, which have some, which aren't just sort of either biased or, or have some other sort of flaw to them. They're just there watching football and they have a, a good eye. 
Um, you're almost like outsourcing that that time of watching all these football matches. That's that's almost like what it is really. It's I'd love to watch all these football matches, but I I, I definitely cannot do that. So it's um it's like using it almost like an outsource scouting network really. I mean, look, if it's working for you, it's working for you, right? Um, a question here from F.I. Mount. He had a three-parter, but I think we've covered his first and third ones. But as there's okay. such a lack of data from F.I. compared to other markets, which are the top data points you wish they'd improve to help us trading and rely less on third parties, for example, more info on trading volume, breakdown of match day scores, how displayed price is calculated and all that jazz. Trading volume would be a good one to start with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd like to see the number of shares bought and sold every day in a, in a full, like a full <coughs> like trade list register. I don't see why that's that hard. We just obviously everyone's names is not included, but this share was bought this time. I'd love to see the uh, the breakdowns of that and try and map it versus games like at a, quite a granular level. Um, I do think it's mad that there's all these and they are excellent. All these ex- add-on bolt-on services to FI. I just do think it's mad that that isn't within FI's website themselves, um, they should be keeping all those people on their own website rather than uh, going through third parties, but I'm sure they're working on that. Um, in terms of additional data, I mean, I think someone mentioned that they should have to fit, uh, I had a good mention, I don't know if it was on this podcast, but around having, it's just keeping people on the website. I, I don't see, ooh, there's lots of information around fixtures and I'd like to be able to view the players all the next fixtures on the website. I'd like to be able to know which players are live scoring. That's one that comes up a lot. That which players are scoring right now, which ones are finished their games. I'd like to have um, like a lockdown of Opta. The early kickoffs, you you imagine that they have they must have a cutoff time. Which time they they say this is an Opta locked in score. Or they could they could do that, do that themselves. I mean, just haven't. You know, if Opta haven't made a change within two hours of the, of the game finishing, that's the locked-in score. And it seems, as long as you don't change it all the time, or don't, the problem, I can't remember which, which player it was, was it Neymar, that had a adjusted score, and then they paid out on a dividend anyway, like as a goodwill gesture. As nice as that is, <clears throat> as soon as you start folding to just changing on particular players, then you, you, you lose your... Uh, sort of grip on it I think you need to um, you, know, you say this is what we do this is how it works it's the same, same with betting on, on, say if you bet on cycling and the jury changes the race result afterwards <coughs> that's irrelevant it, they pay out on who's, who stands on the podium even if they get their, their win taken away after the, after the race it's who stands on the podium it's not oh they adjusted the result six hours later so you can have your money back and we'll pay it out on a different rider it's um, you need to I think they need to have more um, this whole Opta uh, wasting on the Opta gods isn't great. No, it's not at all, is it, mate? It's uh, it's. I think someone described it very well as a fine line between accuracy and exhilaration. For they just need to have some balls. I mean, they're a bookmaker. (laughs) Bookmakers. I mean, it's nice that they care about their clients, but most bookmakers. We'll literally just go. This is our teams and seeds. This is when it gets paid. This is what happens. I, I would do the same, honestly. I, I would yeah, I would just, have it at just, uh, midnight. Let people sell. It's like VAR, isn't it? Yeah, you have it at midnight, and then you pay it out before people before the market opens, so people can yeah. trade on the commute to work. 
don't yeah. want to get paid at nine. I don't want to get from a dividend at nine o'clock and then. Or right, today at whatever o'clock in the afternoon, right? I can't trade. Say, I, I want to trade on my train to work. Yeah. Or, I mean, today they're paying out sometime in the afternoon, right? That we don't know. Mm. Um, Lock that down. <laughs> get it Get it done. Get it more efficient. I, I think, I think I yeah, like the whole... I think uh, when it comes to what makes Football Index great and I think what makes it better than every other betting thing out there is that kind of exhilaration of... Uh, winning PB or MB at yeah. midnight. I mean, it's such a letdown if you if you get opted opted out of it. Opted out it's, of it. Uh, it's just I don't want to be opted out. I want to know no yes or no. Yeah, and, and I'm and I'm fine if two and a half percent of the year they get it wrong, and that's being very generous. Like I don't think opt to get it wrong that that often. Like it's let's not, say it's not wrong if that's what their terms are. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, yeah. I know. I, what I'm look, the pure, the purists will argue that. That should that player should have won. This player should have won. For me, cut it off. No, then at mid, they can, cut make, it off then they can have the comfort that they've made a good bet. They just got unfortunate. It's, yeah, it's guess so. it's the same as it's. Just, this is why I don't really mind having close bad beats. I mean, last weekend I had Sancho on Saturday, Harvey Barnes on Sunday, and another player that was really close on the same day. I think Christian Romero, like five points off or something. But these are really close it's like justifying that you've made a good pick so if you bet in cycling you, there's all sorts of things that can go wrong one time i had a rider going up a mountain this and he got pushed off by a spectator and came second i mean it's watching it and you think good god this is the one time he's ever going to get close to winning a race in his life but i know that i made a really good bet here it was just unfortunate that something else has come along or some in football index case someone else has had an even better day i don't mind that too much it's it's You've you've gone on like a price discovery of knowing it's suddenly become evident to the rest of the market that someone that you've already picked is a good player. This is probably more relevant to the lower end, but someone you've already picked is a good player, you know, is a good player for the matrix. And I I don't really have too much of a problem with it. But um the match the match day extra dividends are nice. I I do see they have a place, but um yeah, I don't. I don't mind the, the winner takes all element of it. Okay, okay, and like, so you don't mind that, but do you no. think? Do you think the winner takes all type thing? And we've got a question about this later on in the show. Do you think that works better without an order book? Um, not in a. I mean, it's the order book the way it is at the moment. I think is isn't. A true order book really is. I, th- I think. A, I think if you had a, a a more mature book, then it'd work fine. I think it's, it's all just check, chicken and egg stuff. It's you, until until they sort out the the confidence in the market. Everything is going to have a slightly warped feel to it. Um, yeah, I don't have a problem. They'll, when you had the when you had IS, if someone had a good performance and they didn't win a dividend, they still went up in capital appreciation. I think most. Yeah, you know, most say eighty percent of the scenarios. That's what you know should happen if if it's a player that's relatively unknown goes to being more well known for having good PB 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 performance, but doesn't win a div. You still have a, a higher expect expected div return over the lifetime of that player. So they should go up in value, and that's. I think a lot of people were paying playing for capital appreciation rather than dividends, but either way, I think you. I don't have a problem, but 
I think, um, yeah, it's, you know, if you're buying a low price player, you're looking for that jackpot. Okay. And you're getting better odds because of it. Let's move on to this question here from FI Gerard from the Fig Discord. How much sense does it make to new users that you can buy whoever has just won PB as long as it's before midnight? It's a good question. I, I, I think it depends on, on how that player has moved. I mean, it doesn't make much sense if they haven't gone up in value. Um, if it's a properly functioning market, the value of that asset has increased by the value of that dividend. So it should go up before you buy it or during the game. It's, it's, it's like it should go up during the game a bit. And then once it gets to the end of the game and you know that player's going to win, it should go up to the sort of close to the full value of that dividend, right? Um, but at the moment, I don't know if that's happening every time. So it's quite a difficult thing to explain to someone. But I mean, if, if you think it's a, if, it, if, if that new person thinks, oh, great, I can just buy them at a discount. And I've certainly looked at players closer thinking, oh, I can literally just buy them with a, I don't know, I'm getting a discount because I'm buying it with the dividend included. And it hasn't gone up the value of the dividend. And that is slightly attractive as well. But I think just in, again, an immature market and an immature order book, it, it warps things somewhat. It's, it's the key to everything is the, is the liquidity. And, you know, what have you made of Football Index talking a lot about organic liquidity? <laughs> I think it's, um, I'd rather they talk less about it. <laughs> I think, uh, I think it'd be good if they talked about, um, bringing, uh, market makers and, uh, I don't know what the opposite of organic synthetic liquidity. Um, yeah, I think they'll get, I think they, they might get organic liquidity if they leave it long enough. Uh, and if they lock everything down, if they said, you know, this isn't going to change three years, we've done the media monitor, dividends, we're going to commit to dividends not going down, then does that bring in enough weight of money to to support the book? I, I don't think it does, but maybe they think maybe they have more data that they think it does. Um, or they're going to bring in this organic, they're going to bring in this leveraging and call it organic liquidity. <laughs> um, but uh no, I'd rather I'd rather focusing on bringing in someone to provide the liquidity rather than organic liquidity. Mm. And look, like we've talked about liquidity for like nine months on this podcast now, but it seems that the buck stops with it. Um, from a third party standpoint, do you think Football Index has got enough right now to attract those types of companies or people that would provide that type of liquidity? I don't think they have, I mean, from what I'm, <clears throat> I'm nowhere near clued up enough about the technical end of it, but I, it doesn't sound like they have enough um, tooling to someone to properly market make. I mean, they need to be on both sides of it. They need to be able to have an API. Did, it, did they even have access to an API market makers? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it doesn't sound like they have enough set up in the back end. But if they're being as punchy about it as they are with everything else, then maybe they just not telling us about it. I mean, if I was them, I wouldn't tell until it was ready. Certainly not in this new leadership. I certainly wouldn't talk about it in any great depth until it was ready. Um, and even then, would you would you even say it because you don't want the whole market changing in anticipation of we're going to have market makers on the next Monday. Everyone's going to everyone's going to change their activity, aren't they? So 
and and also like how much liquidity they bring because it's also very well uh and good I don't, saying I don't, yeah market makers come in but we have got a black hole right now which i'm not sure one market maker has enough uh deep enough pockets to fill really no yeah, i'm not sure that the volumes going through on some of these players with that hole in them is enough to make them provide a price for all of these different the players about sell price on them you'd need maybe it's just a new future for the short term that there's going to be quite a lot of players about sell price i mean and that we have to focus towards getting more confident in your buyers in the first place and when i try to explain fi to other people one of the main thing i mean one of the main thing to say is just if you buy rubbish players you don't expect to get much out of it <laughs> so it's because um, you explain it to people and they suddenly just instantly focus on the team they support and a left back for, I don't know, uh, Newcastle. And you think, well, I'm never going to win any dividends, mate. So <laughs> it's, 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 it's just, I think sometimes you get in what you, what you put out, and t- sorry, you get out what you put in in terms of who you're buying. But um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's a big problem for them to fix and they need to have multiple angles to fix it from. That's maybe why they're pushing the organic liquidity so much. I mean, you would hope with the sort of wall of football that's coming. I mean, there's so much football in the next couple of years that they would. I'd like to see some evidence of what marketing spend they're going to have. It'd even be good to have like a what Euro promotion they're going to put on. Yeah, well, in advance, why not advance? Why not advance? Yeah, announce it now. You're almost certain it's going to happen now. The tournament. So, just say, yeah, this is what we're going to have in the Euros. Would provide some, no, exactly. But it provides some something to look forward to for people, and it certainly um, stimulate aspects of the market. But uh, yeah, they they need to fix the whole order book on the buy side, which needs to be filled by various market makers. They need they need to be. I, I think they will be in the background. They'll be productive, productive and proactive enough. If they're anything like they have been on the front end to be out there looking for these these market makers and offering them enough tools and incentives to get involved. I mean, the spreads are there. There's, there's a, it looks like a market which market makers can make money from. Um, oh, yeah, They 100%. just need to provide... Yeah, I mean... But whether or not they have the confidence and understanding all the nuances of the cycles of the market and... Are they, I mean, are they providing them with enough data of historic trading trends? And there's all sorts of information that I would want as a market maker that I don't know if they're providing or not. But I think I think it will come. I mean, it feels like something that is attractive to a market maker. They just need to have the tooling available for them to do it. Um, maybe it comes with this Hadron thing. Maybe that's built in. I don't know. They really need to give some guidance on that. Like... I think it, the market needs clarity one way or the other. I mean, they just need to give guidance There's on, on lots of things. I and mean, hopefully this Q&A, maybe it's even come out by now. I don't know. I don't think it has. But um, they, need to, they need to have something in that Q&A which uh, provides uh, some sort of guidance for the future just to give confidence. And confidence fixes most things, I think. Hmm. 
Before we move on, I need to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by The Athletic. They're a subscription-based news site delivering in-depth sports coverage featuring football reporters you know and love like David Ornstein, James Pearce, Sam Lee and Rafa Honigstein. The Athletic is telling stories you won't find anywhere else. No ads or clickbait, just great sports writing. So for 50% off your annual subscription to the best sports writing around, go to theathletic.co.uk slash fig and it comes to £2.49 a month uh, which is pretty cheap uh, for some amazing content I don't know Pads are you a subscriber? I have been at various points but uh, I'm not sure I am currently wow. one of those things that I need to check am I doing <laughs> I another live sales me. pitch? <laughs> yeah well maybe maybe it's, it's all about time do I have enough time to read their articles their articles are excellent I must they're say very they're good. very good and they have Phil Hay well, he's a good writer for Leeds. <laughs> well, if you, if you guys are interested, uk slash fig, £2.49. And the fated question, Pads, have you bought anything recently that cost more than £2.49? Yeah, it's good, as usual with me. Um, my longer term followers will know that uh, I quite like beer. So uh, <laughs> beer, alcohol. Yeah, it's pretty much anything I buy in lockdown. So. <laughs> <laughs> Every day, different beer cool uh let's talk a bit about your strategy what is it and how has it evolved up until this point you seem to own quite a lot of players but yeah dig dig, dig into this a bit for me i think i'm up to 100 players now so my not not, not as many uh not that's not as many as i thought i thought you'd have loads no but 100 no what i try to do and i i really like the silver and bronze days so i feel like i've got a much much better chance of winning in those days so like tonight um, it's a three game three game night so I think I have six or seven players across Bilbao and the other teams that I play and I'm pretty sure I've got the players which are the most likely to win from those options I like trying to get a dividend it annoys me if I don't win a dividend on any day um, from those 100 players so I'm trying to get to a point where without having half the index having a quite concise list. But I don't think 100 is too many. I mean, maybe I might get up to 120 um, players, but I, don't, I wouldn't want to have more than that because I really can't monitor more than that the way I'd like to. Um, about 120 players spread across premiums and right down to the lower end. I mean, one of my favourite players recently has been uh, Guillermo Maripan. I might pronounce that wrong, at uh, Monaco. I held him right through the dark period of Kovacs having him sitting on the bench every week. And then all of a sudden, he brings him out into the pitch and he scores like eight goals from centre-back since December. So he's, um, I like, I'm quite happy to hold someone if I still think they're a good player and they're still good for the Matrix right through. I mean, I probably couldn't have sold him anyway, but uh, right, through the, uh, right through the period where they're not winning anything. Um, so quite happy to wait it out. I think that's probably my main strategy for lots of players. I'll, I'll quite happily wait for an injury or wait for a period of, poor form if I if I think underlying they have all the skills managers are more I think more transient than, uh, than players so you're just waiting for that manager if, if they're on the bench every week kind of just waiting for that manager to, to get sacked um, or move on to another job or have someone else get injured I, I like to have a, a range of players which have a good sh- a good base a good PB base but also have a bit of a goal threat about them um I'm quite into set, quite into centre backs at the moment, um, that have a have a goal in them. You may may have guessed with Mar- Marapan there. Um, yeah, that sort of leads into the next question with Elizabeth. Can I have some other centre backs on there? <laughs> 
Yeah, the next question is from uh, Chris Barker. One under the radar player who is a good FI hold from each of the top five leagues. Go. Yeah, so I I did think about this one a little bit. But um, I like some players I've already mentioned. So Jose Gea, um, I I must apologise about my pronunciation. So some of these are awful. But um, you'll hopefully understand who I'm talking about. The left back at Valencia in Spain. I think he's got a transfer in him. He, been, he has won PB, I think, this year already. Um, I think it was at Wednesday. But um, he's a really good player. And I think he's very under the radar for a starting Spain left back. Um, in Italy, I like Christian Romero at Atalanta, the centre back there. He's won PB this year. Um, he was close to winning PB this week. He's got a goal in him. Um, great player. I like, I think his name's Silas Wanman. Gituka at Stuttgart. I like a few of Stuttgart players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he looks really good, actually. He's really good, yeah. He scored a great goal the other day. Um, mm, he scored a few great box. goals. Yeah, yeah. He's recently IPO'd, so he's um, quite, not hugely overpriced, but not, I'm just sort of waiting on that one a little bit. I like Borna Sosa at Stuttgart as well. I think he's left back. Um, he's got a really good base on him, really good PB base. It just puts... For these silver and bronze days, it just puts them in a really good position before they even kicked off because you know that their base isn't isn't is better than most of the rest of the team. So if they win the match, then they're in a really good position to win that dividend, and that's pretty much the main strategy for the lower end PB players that I've got um, in League One in France. So this is uh, Angelo Filgini, the uh, Angus. A sort of attacking midfield. Um, he's when you watch uh, when you watch um, Andrews play football. And I've, I have actually watched a couple of their games because BT Sport is what I tend to have on. And the, the window that I have for watching football tends to be like a Sunday afternoon when they've just got some awful French football, French game on. It so sometimes it's Andrews. He's the best player on the pitch for miles. Like he's he's really good. Um, I'd like to see him in a better team. I think he's got a move in him, so he's a good player. I like Loic. Bardé at long. Yeah. Um, centre back there. He's, he's really high rated, isn't he? Yeah, he's really, he's just, he's got that sort of Rolls Royce on the ball look about him. He knows, he just looks like he's so comfortable all the time. He's the next one, isn't um, he? Centre back yeah, up France. Yeah, it's just like, like they just have so many. Just loads, just as many how's as How's that happening? <laughs> <laughs> it's just mad. But um, no, I like him. He's really good. Um, I actually found picking songs in the Premier League quite tricky because under the radar, I don't know. I mean, hard, isn't I, it? it Harvey Barnes, the likes of Harvey Barnes, Rafinha, Pedro Neto, they're, well, not, they're not under the radar, are they? They're having breakout no. seasons. So I, so I went with someone that has been popular but has gone a long way down, saying so Richardson at uh, Everton. So everyone knows how good he is, but I don't think he's really had a great season and he's had such a major dip on his price, but he's still only 24, I think. Um, you know, and he's a... Uh, I'm not sure if he's a starter or fringes for Brazil, but um, no, I think he's a really good player. And until they change the media monitor, he's always in the shout of media with a single name boost. Um, Yeah, he's really good. Um, I'm quite happy with maybe Jackie Harrison as well. I've already mentioned him in the podcast. He's a really good player. He just needs... He just needs some of the set pieces, but I don't think he'll get it off Rafinha. Nah, and Rafinha's set pieces are pretty good, aren't they? They are. And Calvin Phillips are good, good as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's decent five, isn't it? 
yeah, I think that's a good list. Um, I hold some of those, I don't hold all of them. I, like, I quite like buying players, buying players that have come out of China. It's a bit of okay. a, a niche, bit of a niche one, but uh, I like Yannick Carrasco, Atletico Madrid. He's won a dividend this year. Um, and the latest one is uh, Stefan Alshari at Roma. He's popped up back at Roma and um, already on the fringes of their starting 11. So uh, I'd like to see him a bit more before uh, going too much into him. But uh, he's a very good player. Well, he was before he went to China anyway. So you've got to see a little bit of them before they want to come back to make sure they've not uh, been uh, dulled around the edges too much. But um, I quite like looking at these players coming back from China. Fair enough. Um, got last question here from old man FI from the Fig Discord. If FI repackaged dividends in a way that the user wins more frequently, but less is paid out overall, ultimately a dividend decrease before next season, what do you think the impact will be? I think any any div decrease is um, Fatal. really bad. Yeah. Like, again, from the optics point of view and from just confidence in the market, you know, if they decrease divs, it's uh, in any format beyond what they've beyond IPDs. I get IPDs; that makes sense as a way that you can explain it. Whereas this this isn't sustainable. That's fine. I understand why that why that was happening. We never got to see your live IPD collusion um, for your podcast. It's a shame. It's a good suggestion. Um, <laughs> but um, that's a bit of niche jokes. When they suggest when you were, when you were looking for uh, suggestions for you and Panda's podcast, I suggested the. Uh, the live IPD collusion <laughs> as, a, as a podcast, which I thought would be fun. But um, I get that. That's fine. I understand why that had to go. But any further de- decrease, no matter how it's packaged, someone will always work it out. I mean, you can't hide this stuff. So yeah, I would be quite concerned. Mm. I Yeah, I think that is a uh, rearing on no way back territory, if that were yeah, to happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think, I, mean, and I don't, I don't think that will happen. Yeah, I don't I, think it will happen. No, like I mean, I from looking at the outside in, I I feel like they've got, they're getting all their ducks in a row in terms mm, of mm. their their revenue streams and minting and and it all looking it's just incrementally looking a bit more slicker. Yeah, and there's a bit every, almost every week there's something that's changing that looks a bit nice, and you suddenly on the app and you think, oh, that wasn't there last time. I looked the way there. I look at it, in January they had a lot of incremental incremental little wins, and then in February was the big it was literally a business model change right the way that they changed their issuing so that is a big push so I feel like in January they had lots of little pushes in February they had one big push and in the last week we've seen the experimentation the 25 rungs on uh, depth Um, so those are two little pushes and I think in March we'll see probably one big push and more small pushes if that makes sense yeah I mean promotions have been very uh Lacking, haven't they? It'd be, it'd be interesting to see the next time they come up with a, a big promotion along the lines of previous things they've done. Um, I've not seen a deposit bonus in a long time. Or um, I'm trying to think of the other promotions that they had. But even just a deposit bonus, I'd be interested to see what the, the impact of that would be. Might, I wonder if there's a fair amount of money waiting on a deposit bonus. A lot of people just time their deposits with those. Um, we've not had one since... September, October do, time. do you think do you think there'll be a lot of uptake on something like that i think they would yeah i think i think there'd be enough people that are still active in this market that still have cash to put in that would be tempted over the line of that 
Okay. Cool. Um, I mean, listen, like, is there anything else you want to say? <laughs> uh, no, I ended up talking quite a lot, didn't I? Um, no, no, I think it was fantastic. All sorts of tangents, but, um, uh, we no, we went that's... into this thinking, oh, do we have enough questions? And then you talked for 30 yeah. minutes and I was like, shit, yeah. do we have too many questions? The, uh, I, I was thinking the week beforehand, I was thinking, how many Twitter celebrities are getting on ahead of me here? All sorts of questions, <laughs> but I'm not, I just... I don't tweet as often as I might do. I'm half the time I'm tweeting about Sinchenko. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's whether or not that's a It's that's a niche audience, content. isn't it? Oh, Cycling and Sinchenko. <laughs> Quality I like, I like Sinchenko. Um, no, that's about it for me, I think. Well, I think that's all we've got time for, man. I think you've been a fantastic guest, honestly. I'm so, so glad to have finally convinced you to come on. Uh, where can people find out Thank more you. about you on Twitter? Uh, at Padspets brilliant that's p-a-d-s so quite, quite concise name yeah done well there. yes yeah um again thank you so much for coming on thank you very much everyone who's listened if you guys are commuting then have a safe commute if you're not commuting doing whatever you're doing maybe enjoying the recent sunshine that we're seeing at least here in london sorry we didn't get to answer all your questions that's completely pad's fault uh just went on the random tangent for about 30 minutes at the start that i didn't expect so you know <laughs> it's what it is and uh Stay safe, everyone. Thank you very much for listening and we'll have more for the next podcast for you next week.